Hi, Diamonds. Welcome to the United State of Women, a forum where professional women come together to thrive by living more connected to our power, our purpose, and our plan. We invite you to tune in every other week where we show you that you can have it all and teach you how to get it by becoming the star of your own life and not just a supporting role in your life, career, and relationships. Here with Julie Dean, my USW podcast ambassador and co-host, I am Kalina James, owner of LCR, a business consulting and leadership development coaching company. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Diamonds. We've invited Amber Kinsey on the show today to share about her recent project involving our local domestic violence shelter. As a survivor of domestic violence, Amber is passionate about helping women transitioning out of their own domestic violence situation. My name is Julie Dean, and this is Amber's Story. Grab a notebook and a pen, because we are United State of Women. Welcome to the show, Amber. Hello. I'm here with Kalina. We're here excited to catch up with you, you know, and all these big things you've been working on in 2020, right? Yes. Well, welcome, um, Amber. We're happy, happy, happy to have you here. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about this domestic violence shelter that you've gotten involved with. So after my first state of the women's brunch um, that I did, I think last year, 2019, um, I spoke to Kalina about a project with the domestic violence shelter and redoing the whole shelter because um, it has been updated in 12 years. Some spots are okay. Some spots are run down, but it just doesn't feel like home. You know, it's gray. It's gloomy. Um, so we came up with the idea to find sponsorships to redo the shelter itself. So a sponsorship for the kitchen, a sponsorship for each of the seven rooms, a sponsorship for the multi-purpose room, and then just some smaller sponsorships to help with toys and other things that the shelter needs. Um, so far we have raised around between 10 and $12,000. Um, we have one big white diamond sponsor, which is 5,000. To help with the kitchen, we have one room already sponsored for $2,500. Um, the city has given some money. Mayor Tyler Moore has given some money. The commissioners have given some money. Um, IBEW has uh, partnershiped with us. They're going to go in in January. They were supposed to go in in November, but because the shelter got hit with COVID, they have closed it down to outside vendors and contractors. So they're going to go in in January give us an electrical quote with that and see how they can help us. Um, typically they utilize apprenticeships to do this, the electrical work so that they can gain hours and time towards their journeyman's card. So I'm waiting to hear from them and the contractors. Um, I have a couple more feelers out there with Target itself. I sent an email to Target, um, FCA. I've contacted several people within FCA and they're more than willing to help. I'm just waiting to hear back from them. Um, and some various other organizations that are willing to help. I didn't realize how much people wanted to help in, in something like this until I started it. And people are like, oh, we'll help volunteer. I had a guy approach me yesterday. I want my sons to get involved so they see and understand because sometimes they act too privileged. That's how we put it. So um, he's going to sign up to help with volunteer days. We had IUK students do a the... Um, draft for the budget and the initial project. They gave us some fundraising ideas that I'm going to try and schedule for next year. One being a 
bowling event. I think that's huge. I think people will enter a bowling tournament, um, ride to raise money with, I'm going to go out to the Harley shop and see if they're more than willing to help me set that ride up. Um, so that's on my list to do and some various other fundraising events. Very cool. That's impressive. Yes. That's so impressive. Hopefully I can get them to help us. So think you will i think you absolutely will they they've got big hearts here in the community for charitable opportunities and so i look forward to hearing the outcome of that partnership with them but i really feel like they're going to want to get involved and do something big for the domestic violence shelter um there's a couple other unions that i'm going to help i'm going to contact to see if they're going to help or willing to help so i'm pretty excited about it very cool that is really cool So Amber, what initially, like, besides the brunch, what was it that really started your passion around helping serve in this space when it comes to helping women with domestic violence? So I'm a domestic violence victim myself. Five, six years ago, went through a horrible divorce that ended in a domestic violence event. Fortunately, I had the funding and the education that I didn't have to utilize the actual shelter, except for the victims classes that they offer. Um, so when I went through all that and as Kalina says, found my path that she helped me find, um, I wanted to help and give more, um, helping women get out of a situation that didn't have the resources that I had. Most victims don't have the education or the resources when they choose to leave or get forced to leave. Um, and they don't know where to start to get back their birth certificates, their driver's license, a home. Um, that they can call their own, a job, and just to become more independent. I believe that I have a lot of knowledge and experience that I can give them and help them in that way. Mm. So you are, um, you, you, you're, this is familiar to you, the situation mm-hmm. in which the women, you know, or men are encountering or have encountered is very familiar to you. Yeah. And not only did I experience it through my first marriage, but even my childhood, you know, my dad was abusive. Um, and now not only did I go through it, but I get reminded periodically because now I have absence seizures because of the abuse. Um, so it's something that every time a seizure comes on, I get reminded of what I went through. So. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm really curious. You had said that you know, you had seen some of these characteristics when you were a child from your dad. What was it, what was the defining moment for you when you realized you were in a relationship that had a lot of these same patterns? Um, I think years before I ended up ending the marriage, um, it ended in 2014, but it began to fester years before that with a lot of verbal abuse, uh, mental abuse, um, threats, always got threatened that if I would leave, he would take my kids, force my kids to hate me, and that I would never make it on my own. And then one day, it just clicked. It just clicked that I had to leave. I left prior, ended up going back, but one day I just said enough's enough. So tell me about the first time that you left then. So you were ready, you had everything packed, and then you left, but you came back. I came back because, you know, we had that initial discussion that he admitted what he did was wrong and so forth. And 
I thought, well, you know, I owe it to my kids to give another chance. And it just didn't, I should have stayed gone. So then the second time, why do you think it was easier to not come back? The second time I got put through a wardrobe and a wall. So once that happened, I wasn't going to go through what I went through as a child where on a daily basis I was abused. So, and I wasn't going to allow my kids to see that or allow my daughter to think a relationship like that was what it should be. Wow. That's crazy. And that's, you know, good for you. That's so powerful just right there, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that, you know, in a relationship are thinking it's time to go, but how often are they coming back because they're thinking, well, maybe this time's going to be different. And it sounds like it, it really started to escalate for you. It did. It did. Um, when you start I calling them out on their lies and their behavior, abusers don't like that. Um, yeah. They don't expect a victim to be that way. And one day I just stood up and I said, we're going to end it now. It's either you or me. So, and it just the look of shock on his face. So, and now I'm in a good relationship, the total opposite. Um, I can't even get him to argue with me. <laughs> so what was that process like then, you know, with ending that relationship and kind of moving on with your life to now discovering this place where you've found happiness? It's not easy. Um, as me and Kalina have talked several times, I still have issues and roadblocks to where it's still hard for me to trust or it's still hard for me to accept true love, um, a relationship. I'm going to start crying now. A relationship that I can actually be supported, you know, through it all. He supported me in getting my master's degree, which was never done for the first one. So it's, it's hard. It's not an easy process. Well, good for you, though. That's so cool. You know, I, I see, you know, you said you're getting emotional and it's, it's, I'm sure, a liberating feeling to be in a place that you didn't even think you could process in your last relationship. It is. And, you know, I struggle with being, you know, moody and trying to deal with the old feelings versus the new feelings and how things should be. And it's it's not easy for somebody that even as a child, I went through till now. And, you know, when my dad found me and my dad were doing great, I forgave him. But when he found out I had absence seizures now, he doesn't talk to me anymore. So it's still a struggle. It's still a process. Okay. What do you mean he doesn't talk to you anymore? Like he, I think he feels ashamed because he knows he's part of that blame on why I have to deal with these issues. Not only is it my ex-husband, but it's my dad too. So, you know, before I was only having them once every one to three years and now it's almost weekly now. And for anyone that doesn't understand, I'm curious, um, with the absent seizure, what is that like? It's so a normal epileptic, you know, you, you have the tremors, you 
just go into a seizure and it's kind of a rude way of saying it, but you almost like flop like a fish. Um, with absence seizures, you just lose focus. You stare out in space. Don't remember the conversations. Don't remember doing things. The last one I had was a couple weeks ago. Don't even remember coming home from work, going out to dinner, and then you just sleep. Um, you have headaches. Um, I take medication twice a day now for it. Um, it's prevented me having them as often, but I still have them. That's so scary. That's um, with the medications and just everything not knowing. And I can't even imagine, Amber. And, you know, it really says that a lot about you as a person and how much you've been able to persevere. Um, <laughs> I always say it like it's so easy to want to throw in the towel, right? It would have been too easy for you to just stay in that relationship. And it'd be too easy for you to even now, like, take these seizures instead of, you know, actually chasing your goals and your dreams, you could just sit at home and think, you know, I don't feel well, so I'm just going to ride this out with my medication. But to hear your passion and how much effort you've put in this year to help other women in our community, it says a lot about you. Thank you. I'm not ready to give up yet. <laughs> if I hadn't met Kalina two years ago, I probably would have given up. Carol, I could, you know, you, it's often that you've said that and I just want you to hear from me is that you were you're the one that did the work. You were in a position in a situation where you were fully present and ready for the change that you in, desired to see. And so as much as you give me the credit, the really the credit is for you, Amber. You had the power to really bet on yourself and take the step forward and do the work, the hardest thing that typically can be accomplished for any woman in the situation you experience, not only from your husband, but from your father. And it was a repeatable offense, if not behavior that you were accustomed to, that you lived in. And you found strength to know that life could be different, is supposed to be different, should be different. And unfortunately, you, you're living with the scars of that past, but you're also living with the renewed hope. You did that. I'm trying, you know, I, I, watching my daughter and what she went through too, um, and she struggles with PTSD because of it, but I want her to see what a true relationship is, what it can be. And I don't want her to relive the life that I showed her in the beginning to what it is now. So, and that's my biggest goal is just to make sure she doesn't fall in that pattern. Yeah. What are some of those patterns? You, if, you know, because you said that, what are some of those patterns that women can fall into um, that we could benefit by knowing that this is a potential abusive situation? What are some of those patterns? Help us understand them. I think if you live in fear um, on a daily basis, if you can't make decisions for yourself um, and those decisions are constantly being made for you. For instance, I got a phone call the other day to help a lady out or try to help a lady out that was from out of state. Um, she had met him on Facebook, the dating app. Most people don't realize Facebook has a dating app. <laughs> I just that. And um, she was from 
out of state. She moved in with him right away. He now makes her pay rent. He disabled her car. He pimps her out. Um, And she is in, and I had it all set up to go to the shelter. The police were going to go get her out. And she's in such fear that she said, no, I can't do it. You know, and I'm not sure she understands what is on the other side. And it's not knowing that there are resources on the other side to help you get away, to regain your life, to regain your independence. Most women don't know that. And even men working through the shelter with Tracy and Allie, I've come to realize that more men use the shelter as women do. And in teaching gender sensitivity and anti-harassment classes for the city, you know, I tell them it's guys are harassed too. Guys go through just as much as women do, but to them it's more embarrassing because they see themselves as a big, muscular, strong person, but yet not strong enough to get away from the harassing person. So it's everywhere and, you know, people just don't realize the resources out there. And thank God for those resources being out there. And so in hearing you, you know, individuals that may experience living in fear, you know, of their safety or of just how they're treated, always feeling as if they have to be afraid of that partner, that spouse, you know, or that significant other and someone who is unable to make decisions for themselves because all the choices are made for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I've lived that way for years because, you know, my first degree was in something I would have never gone in, but I enjoyed it afterwards, but I was having people tell me what I should go to school for, having people tell me what jobs I should get. My dad even told me I shouldn't work at all. I should stay at home. Um, And now it's leaving that first one and going into the second one. I have the support and the encouragement to say, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, and just graduating with my master's degree. I graduated with a 3.923 grade point average working full time, traveling, doing whatever I did. it. I did it on my own. And I, it was a decision I made on my own. So, and there's even resources out there for education. If some, if the women or men get out of that relationship, there's resources for them to go to school, to get the funding, to do that. And most people don't realize that. Yeah. And you, you saying a lot, girl, because you went against the grain. You should be, I mean, I know you are extremely proud and it. we've seen your face to see the things that you've done in spite of what others have told you not to do. And and even last but not least, I heard you say your father said you shouldn't even work, which is another key indicator that there is a potential abusive situation is when they choose to want to keep you in isolation, right? They want to keep you to themselves, away from your loved ones, away from your friends, away from people who can inspire you, speak into you because they don't, they're afraid of what you may do with those relationships or what you may learn you know, and discover. And, and, you know, I don't want people to think that I hate my dad or I hate my ex-husband, you know, for a victim, it was important for me to forgive, uh, forgive them both. You know, I can't say I hate my ex-husband because he gave me two beautiful kids. Um, and I'm on the path I am today because of that. Um, and I can't say I hate my dad. I love my dad to death. Um, does a victim ever forget? No. 
But I think for somebody to move forward and keep moving forward, sooner or later, they have to forgive and they have to do that in their own way. And somebody told me when I went through my first divorce, um, you have to find happiness and joy within yourself before you find happiness with somebody else. If you're not happy, then you're not going to be happy in a relationship at all. Yeah, and sometimes I think, you know, people with that same sentiment, they don't discover the pure happiness for themselves. They just fall back into those relationships because there is something within them, right, that attracts. And it's unfortunately, you know, the truth. But however, I, I want listeners to know that there isn't anything that you deserve to be abused. There's not anything that you've done to be abused. However, I know that energy attracts like energy. The things that we hang around can be an effect to us. And if we are individuals who are conditioned with abuse, we attract abusers. That's not anything to say that you personally deserve it or did something wrong. Our conditioning sometimes can shape the way that we see the world and we attract that type of reality or environment or people around us. And it sounds like to me, you work really hard, Amber, in pushing against that narrative. Part of that is, is, um, and I think you're the one that told me this, is I have to find my voice. During the first coaching session, cafe coaching, what's your voice, Amber? You know, and most people have this reality of abuse only happens with the poor or the middle class. Abuse happens at all levels. I don't care what your income level is. I don't care what your education level is. It happens at all levels. Um, and people need to realize that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, with you saying that, for our listeners and for those that um, are hearing this and hearing your voice, share with us your voice. Share with us that call to action for them and what specifically is important for them to remember in the event that they're looking to flee a situation? Um, first and foremost, there's so many resources out there. So many resources out there. Um, and I have to say, whoever's listening to this, that may be going through a situation that have that urge to get out, but just don't know where to go, give me a call. I'll be more than glad to help you. Um, I can help get the resources there to get you out. Um, but most importantly, if you do want to get out of a situation, you have to be truthful, not only to yourself, but to the people trying to get you out. That's the only way to break free of the total situation and the issue. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you in saying that. And so, Julie, you know, with the opportunity to speak with Amber today, we really wanted to share with our listeners what we're doing in the community in regards to domestic violence and being a partner with the uh, family social services to help them with their tangible need. And that is the renovation of a livable space to give women and men an environment that fosters safety, security, hope and transition. And so um, with that, it's a call to action to anyone listening today who would love to partner with us um, with this episode. We're just asking for anyone who's listening to to join us, to be a partner. We invite you to share in the joy of being a blessing to others. And so, Amber, how could 
Um, what are the opportunities? Again, if we can repeat that. And what are ways that they can reach out to you specifically? We have several different levels of sponsorships, um, anywhere from $5,000 to $100. Um, or even if you just don't have the monetary funds, but you want to help um, with the volunteer days that are going to be set up, um, just give me a call. You know, my I don't care my personal number. You can call me. It's 765-438-5715. Just text me or leave me a voicemail saying who you are and what you would like to do, whether that be contribute monetarily or with time and effort. Um, there's also, you know, sometimes we only think of the women and men that go there, but they bring children, teenagers, kids. They don't have spaces there that they can actually feel at home or call at home. They don't have like, they have toys, but they don't have like sets of toys. They're just mix max toys. They don't even have books that they can read. Um, you know, just pull off the shelf and just sit on the couch and read. They do have some computers that they can do homework, spaces like that, but there's so much that they could use. You know, home is not where you live. It's in the heart. And if we can make that more of a home for them while they're there, um, that's what the goal is, is to make them feel comfortable. You know, nobody wants to be there, yeah. especially a child. Yeah. Um, but to make it more comfortable and more like home would mean a lot. Yeah. So, Amber, let me make sure we have different levels of sponsor dollars, obviously, that someone can come to the partnership with us as low as 500 or as high as 5,000, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, right? as low as 100, um, as high as 5,000. Okay. So um, the 5,000 and 2,500 are more supporting the rooms themselves. The 1,500, 250 and 100 are more supporting um, what is left over for the rooms to do, but also items, um, books, games, toys, bedding. Um, we talked about putting, you know, giving each child and each adult like a journal pack where they can write, they can color, they have something that they can call their own, giving the kids a blanket that they can take with them um, as support, as comfort. Um, so there's so many different things that we can do that I can explain in more detail if they want to contact me either via my phone number or my email, which is akinsey2020 at gmail.com. Um, and again, you know, call me at any time, leave me a message, text me, email me, and we can get that all set up. Nice. Nice. Thank you so much, Amber, for being here. And I'm certain that we'll put all of the details and descriptions for on how to reach you and contact you in the podcast and the episode and as we post this on social media. But it's an opportunity to partner. And we're thankful that you have taken up the mantle to be a leading force in our community. It's powerful how you have drawn so many wonderful leaders together to donate and share. Yeah. And it sounds like that we have about a third of the way to go. Our our financial goal is I think $50,000 to be able to cover the cost of everything. And this is a one year project. So it's it's a project where you're looking for partnership and funding now. And so that as we get closer to um, pass our COVID pandemic and their cases, we'll be able to go in and do the renovation. But for now, it's a great opportunity for partnership. Yes.
so much for doing this. I'm excited. <laughs> we are excited as well. Well, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and coming mm -hmm. on the show to talk about your mission here and for, you know, partnering up with USW Kokomo because that's what this is about. And it's really exciting to see the community just develop and grow and do such big things together. Yes, it is. Until next time, Diamonds, shine bright. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it. Share it with people you care about, people you think this will benefit. Share with your team or colleague who is having a difficult time and is looking for solutions. We all want to help people live empowered, to know what to do when faced with uncertainty. And I believe that these ideas can help others have that success. So please share it. But also follow us on our hashtag community power purpose plan and tell us what you think and how this episode has helped you. Diamonds, you have a choice to live connected to progress and growth. You deserve it. And it is yours to have. Live life, my friend, and be encouraged to step into your power purpose plan today. Until next time, take care. <laughs>